I'm Perry Weingert with Collar Creek Ranch in Gonzales, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. It is great to have you along for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Texas winter wheat harvest is almost complete. So now it's time to prepare for the new Texas wheat crop that we'll be planting before you know it. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As the sorghum checkoff continues its efforts to create more opportunities for sorghum farmers, improving the crop itself remains a key focus. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The winter wheat harvest is almost complete in Texas. Meanwhile, grasshoppers are infesting hay meadows in most of the state. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the latest uh, Texas crop progress and livestock condition report for the state just ahead on Texas Ag Today. Coastal Bend farmers are nearing completion with grain harvest. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Wheat harvest is about wrapped up here in Texas, so it's now time to prepare for the new crop that will go in the ground in the next few months. John Fenderson is the Westbred Wheat Agronomist for Texas, and he says the first priority should be securing seed. Make sure that you have your seed wheat spoken for and that you're lined up. A lot of guys don't have seed, obviously, to go back in the ground, and they need to talk to their seed suppliers. In Texas, it's more of an issue of did they get it planted last fall, and is there going to be seed available from your normal seed suppliers? And the second priority should be getting the right variety, especially with the increasing Hessian fly problem. Work with your extension people, work with your seed company reps to identify those lines, especially for the Blacklands and Rolling Plains of Texas that have better than average Hessian fly tolerance. And those are things I think as we go forward in Texas, we've really got to pay a lot of attention to because uh, you can lose a crop pretty fast. Some of the varieties that we have traditionally grown, we need to move on from them and, and go to some other better varieties. So just because you may have seed available and stuck it in the bin, that may not be your best option to plant this fall. Hessian fly problems have been on the increase in the past few years, and Fenderson says it will take a very cold winter to slow it down. A new Texas Ag Teacher of the Year was named at last week's Texas FFA convention in Dallas. A Jack County teacher is being recognized for his passion for agriculture and the impact he has on his students' lives. 
Jacob Lang was named Justin Boots 2023 Texas Agricultural Teacher of the Year at the Texas State FFA Convention last week. More than a thousand teachers were nominated for the honor. Justin Boots says Lang's students and parents submitted more than a hundred extremely thought-out essays about his commitment to his students. The students said he goes above and beyond for them, working around their schedules and helping them find the perfect projects. They say he makes them laugh, gives everyone a fair chance, and sees their potential, even if they don't see it themselves. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. A lamb industry sustainability survey needs producer input. The American Lamb Board is looking for help from U.S. lamb producers and feeders regarding their environmental stewardship and other sustainability practices. The survey runs from now until Monday, August 14th. If you'd like to participate, check out bit.ly slash U.S. Lamb Survey. That's bit.ly slash U.S. Lamb Survey. The Sorghum Checkoff is working to create more opportunities for sorghum farmers. James Hunt tells us improving the crop itself is a main focus. As we talked about yesterday, the United Sorghum Checkoff Program has racked up a pretty impressive track record of achievement in its relatively short 15-year history. But there's more to accomplish on behalf of the many farmers, including those here in the Texas High Plains, who contribute to the checkoff. Norma Ritz-Johnson, the checkoff's executive director, says one thing the organization is highly focused on is making sorghum an even better crop. We are looking to take crop improvement work into the next level. And just last year, funded a major first-of-its-kind project aimed at addressing the architecture of the sorghum plant. That's something that hasn't been done in modern history, and frankly, it's something that really excites me, uh, is looking at everything from the root to the tip of the plant to see if there are improvements that can be made in that that will increase the profitability, increase yield, increase the head size, or any number of things that would create a more efficient and profitable crop for the producer. Sorghum has long had a place as a valued source of livestock nutrition, but Norma Ritz-Johnson says what the checkoff wants to accomplish in the future is to establish more premium markets for sorghum. The strategy behind that are those markets where sorghum is uniquely suited and not necessarily an ingredient that could be easily substituted in or out. With the checkoff's assistance in promotion and product development, the customer base for sorghum is growing, especially in areas like pet food products and food and beverage items for people. We'll talk more about the sorghum checkoff's efforts in upcoming reports. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas winter wheat harvest is almost complete. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the latest Texas crop progress and condition report. In the latest U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service Texas Crop Progress and Livestock Condition Report, we first start with small grains, where wheat harvest is finished in the Texas Cross Timbers. Winter wheat harvested has reached 93%, while oats harvested has hit the 95% level. On row crops in the Southern High Plains and the Texas Blacklands, corn and grain sorghum are maturing quickly. In the Upper Coast, the Coastal Bend, and the Lower Rio Grande Valley, corn and sorghum harvest continue. Sorghum headed hit 70%. In the Northern High Plains, cotton progress varies throughout the area from emerging to squaring, with insects being a major problem. 
Cotton squaring reached 46% for the state. Sunflowers planted hit 93%. Rice headed reached 63%, while soybean blooming hit 46%. Meanwhile, feral hog damage remained an issue in northeastern Texas. On fruits, vegetables, and specialty crops, in South Texas, watermelon and cantaloupe harvest continued. In the lower valley, citrus and sugarcane are being irrigated. Finally, livestock range and pastures, where supplemental feeding of livestock has decreased in the northern low plains and southern Texas, hay harvest continues in most areas of the state. Cattle prices remain high in most of the livestock districts. Grasshoppers are infesting hay meadows in most of Texas, and insects, including flies, mosquitoes, and ticks, have increased on livestock in the Blacklands. Range and pasture conditions are rated fair to poor. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Coastal Bend farmers are wrapping up this year's grain harvest. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Coastal Bend farmers have been busy in their fields making uh, steady progress here with the grain harvest this season. They're winding down on grain sorghum. Estimates are about 95% of that crop is out of the field, and corn harvest making excellent progress with about 80% of the crop out of the field at this time. And with predictions for open weather for the next couple of weeks, that harvest should wrap up shortly. The only minor interruption came from some scattered showers that occurred on July 6th and 7th. The livestock producers certainly needed the rain that was brought to the area. Rainfall amounts did very greatly with those scattered showers, but most of the areas on the east side of the 77 corridor got between a half inch to an inch and a half of rainfall. Heavier amounts fell out in the brush country and were certainly welcome in that location, with many areas around Highway 281 and West receiving between four and six inches of rainfall. Now, corn and grain sorghum yields have been well above average this year. Dryland yields for grain sorghum, particularly in the Chapman Ranch and West Sentin area, have been exceptional with reports of six to 7,000-pound grain sorghum coming out of large fields in those locations. Other areas have been slightly above average. And the corn yields ranging between 110 to 140 bushels so far, and that is well above average here in the coastal bend area. Now, those uh, dry days back in June did reduce the yield potential of our cotton crop. Most of those fields now are 60 to 70 percent open in those early planted cotton fields, and they'll be receiving some uh, defoliation treatments very soon. That puts harvest in our area for mid-August, and when we have uh, mid-August or earlier harvest in cotton, that means yields are going to be a bit shorter than we'd like to see. That remains to be seen, and we hope that cotton farmers will be able to get out of the field with at least a bale and a quarter to a bale and a half per acre. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. There is a new leader at the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there are several ways to control flies on cattle. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. It kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? Well, I'll listen to the what's coming up and you can plan your day. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are several ways to control flies on cattle. Dr. Bob Judd looks at some products that are applied to the animal. Cattle fly sprays can come ready to use or as a concentrate mixed with water or oil. These products are sprayed over the entire animal with a pump-up or ATV-mounted tank-type sprayer. Unfortunately, these products do not remain effective for very long and must be reapplied frequently. Porons are concentrated forms of insecticide that are applied when the cattle are in a narrow alley or chute. There are also some insecticide delivery systems that project capsules filled with insecticide that burst upon impact with the animal, applying the insecticide similar to a poron. Fly tags are commonly used to help control horn flies and face flies. These tags should be applied when the flies are already active as applying them too early will allow the insecticide to be released prior to the flies being an issue. With fly tags, it is important to rotate between classes of insecticide every year due to resistance to the chemical that can develop. Treating the premise is important in fly control, but this can be difficult to be effective in a large area. Fly traps, premise sprays, and insecticide baits are available and are indicated for fly control around barns, shelters, and feeding areas. Fly traps are either sticky traps or odor attractant traps. These sticky fly traps catch flies that land on them, and the odor attractant traps attract flies to a container. These traps need to be at the outside of the premise so the flies will be attracted to those areas. Premise sprays are sprayed on the ground or on other surfaces and kill flies when they land on the surfaces. Fly baits can also be effective by setting up fly bait stations or as a scatter bag. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a new leader at the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation. Jessica Domel tells more about him in today's Wildlife Report. There is a new leader at the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation. Dr. Ryan O'Shaughnessy is the foundation's new executive director. I was born and raised in Zimbabwe. My parents moved across into the neighboring country of Botswana probably in the mid-80s and grew up in the safari industry. That's what my family has pretty much done my whole life. Did my undergrad and master's in South Africa working on large ungulates, came across to the U.S., did a Ph.D. on waterfowl, but have always loved uh, wing shooting, (laughs) loved that more than anything else. That sort of trajectory took me to where we are today. He holds a Ph.D. in wildlife ecology from Southern Illinois University. After obtaining that degree, he took a postdoctorate research faculty appointment with the Borderlands Research Institute at Sol Ross State University. And he spent the past several years as an Orvis-endorsed quail hunting outfitter in West Texas. 
He tells us a connection with Dr. Dale Rollins, founder of the Research Foundation, led him to the position he's in today. I really got to know Dale during my time as a professor at Sol Ross State University. We just attended a whole bunch of similar conferences together and, and whatnot, and we shared a common passion and interest in quail hunting. And I ran into him at the Park City's Quail Dinner and Banquet, and he just said, hey, you know, we are uh, looking for a new executive director. I think you might be interested. And when he sent me the job description reading through it, I remember showing it to my wife and, and she said, wow, it looks like you wrote this for yourself. So, yeah, I applied and here we are. We'll have more with Dr. O'Shaughnessy on his goals for the Research Foundation on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. A big jump in the corn market Tuesday caused a drop in the feeder cattle market. We'll take a look back at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I was. I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on, and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on. Oh, listen in the barn, skid loader, tractor, and just about anywhere you can. When you put the lights on in the barn, the radio went on. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex moved in different directions on Tuesday with live cattle closing higher, feeder cattle lower. August live cattle gained $1.15 to close at $181.27. The October up $1.30, $183.55. Feeder cattle, however, feeling the pressure from a big jump in the corn market. We closed lower with August feeders down a dollar twenty-five, two forty-eight even. September feeder cattle down a dollar forty-two at two fifty even. Cash-fed cattle market all quiet so far this week. No bids or asking prices to report. Boxed beef prices mixed on Tuesday. Choice was down sixty cents, three oh six eighteen. Select up nine at two seventy-five eighty-three. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Russell Heller, Lexington Livestock, sells them there every Saturday. Russell, how was this last sale? Yes, sir, had a good sale, 1,153 total head with 128 cows. 1,153. Russell, walk the pins with us. All right. On the thinner piker cows, 65 to 85, and the better cows, 86 to 115. On the steering bull kids, 3 to 4 pounds, 170 to 305. 4 to 5 weights, 165 to 285. 5 to 6 weights, 160 to 265. 6 to 7 weights, 155 to 255. 7 to 8 weights, 150 to 235. On the heifers, 3 to 4 pounds, 160 to 290. 4 to 5 weights, 155 to 270. 5 to 6 weights, 150 to 245. 6 to 7 weights, 145 to 225. 7 to 8 weights, 140 to 205. Now, you had 1,153 head. Kind of, What was the mix like as far as cows and calves and yearlings and, and uh, fat new calves? Uh, yes, sir. I mean, the calves are just kind of still on flesh calves. And 
give me a second. I'll look at there'll be a breakdown. Uh, most of the steering bull calves, they averaged 543 pounds. All the heifer calves, there were 387 heifer calves. They weighed 539, so the average was four pounds apiece for the steering bull calves and the heifer calves. Good. Were your packer buyers pleased with what that was offered to them? Sure. The cows were awful high. Yes, sir, they were good. Good. Now, what do you anticipate for this next Saturday sale in Lexington? I've got one guy that's supposed to have about 30, 35 Hereford and Angus cows. They're losing a place, so they're going to get those. And then one other guy's going to have 30 Black and Charlotte calves. Good. The cows, what kind of age of cows are they? They're going to be young to middle-aged, probably four to eight-year-old cows. Well, tell everybody, Russell Heller, how to get a hold of you for this next Saturday sale in Lexington. Yes, sir. You can call me on my cell. That number is 979-820-7002. Thank you, Russell, and thank you, Texas Neighbor, for listening to me, Larry Marble, and walking the pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're listening right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs were mixed on Tuesday. August hogs were up $1.50, 96 27 but the October was down 85 cents at 81.47. Class 3 milk was higher. Nearby July contract up 3 cents, 13.86 a hundredweight, with August milk up 49 at 15.80 a hundred. The cotton market moved slightly higher. The weekly crop ratings this week show a slight decline in the condition of the U.S. cotton crop. Combine that with a weaker U.S. dollar and fund buying. And that moved the market a bit higher. October cotton up 29 points, 83.78. December cotton up 12 at 82.25 cents. Now, we mentioned earlier that big jump in the corn market. The weekly crop ratings came out, and they show a slight improvement in the overall condition of the U.S. corn crop. But we are still looking at the second worst corn crop we've seen in the last 10 years. Combine that with some hot temperatures and dry weather in the forecast for the Corn Belt next week, and that caused the corn to break out to the upside. September corn up 29 and a half, closing at 528 and three quarters. December corn up 28 and a half, 534 and a half. The wheat market rode on the corn market's coattails. We finished higher in both hard and soft wheat. September Kansas City wheat up 12, 827 and a quarter. September Chicago wheat up 17 cents at 670 and three quarters. In the energy markets, August natural gas up 11 cents, 262. August West Texas crude up $1.49 at 7564 a barrel. The financial markets higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 378 points at 34,963. The Nasdaq up 142, 14,387. The S&P up 37 at 4,560. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.